Ossiam and Estelichasiam, Hauhitan Sunitsnat, Chukvalamisan, Haichka, Haichka, Haichka. In the Lummi language, Haichka means thank you. And I want to thank those that are listening to the Heat podcast on the Breaker podcast, the Google podcast, the Spotify, and Pocket Cast. Thank you so much for joining me today in this snow-filled Pacific Northwest. As I look out the window, it is still snowing. (laughs) We have had probably some of the most treacherous snowflakes and accumulations probably since the mid-90s. And so I guess we were due 20-plus years in the making. Some areas of the Pacific Northwest did receive two feet of snow, especially as you get in the higher elevations closer to the Snoqualmie area and the various parts of the mountains and the Cascade Mountains. So wherever you're at, hopefully you are nice and warm as I am here in my family house here on the Lummi Indian Reservation. And as we talk about reservations, we talk about tribes, we talk about the tribal leaders gathering at the National Congress of American Indians winter session in Washington, D.C., and they had a various uh, speakers speak to the audience yesterday at a State of the Indian Nations event where President Keeler, who is from the Chickasaw tribe, he is the National Congress of American Indians president, did address several folks in the audience, including members of President Trump's administration who was there in the front row. And it was interesting because normally you would think that when you have the president and his staffers there, that they would be a little bit more PC when it comes to talking about uh, some of the things in the relationship between the tribes and the president. But uh, the way that I read it and the way that I seen some of the and heard some of the different various comments made by President Keeler and others is they pretty much let... President Trump's staffers know that uh, the respect and the treaty relationship that they have isn't very good. And they called it a lack of respect for trust and lack of uh, respect for treaty relationships. And so, you know, it was probably a little awkward afterwards. And as people were leaving the State of the Indian Nations event, uh, there was no sign of tension between the tribes and uh, and the, the president's administration. But you got to remember, and again, when I told you a few podcasts ago, a couple days ago, about the way that I'm going to be reporting news here on my podcast isn't so much just about being able to communicate one way or the other. I'm not, I'm not pro or negative against Trump. And I'm not on the left side. I'm not with the Republicans. I'm not with the Democrats. I'm not even sure if I'm with the independent group right now. But as I can continue to communicate uh, some of the things that goes on, I'm really I kind of look at things as much as I can from a bird's eye view and give you my thoughts on the way things are in Indian country, especially. But again, uh, again, I don't like to lean too far left or too far right. But it is refreshing that the tribal leaders did do the best they can to communicate a truthful response to what President Trump has or has not been doing with Indian tribes. And you take a look at the way that, uh, you know, 
Roger Stone, who is has been one of Trump's uh, major influencers in his campaign. There's a really good uh, documentary on Netflix if you ever want to take a look. It's called Roger and Me, I believe. And it takes a really good hard look at Roger Stone and some of his guiding principles as to why he does the things he does and the way that uh, he's influenced Trump. And basically one of his guiding principles is hate. Hate has got more energy and is more remembering of, of the message than love. And so, you know, to hear that the tribes are not happy with the relationship with Trump is actually fits into Roger Stone's principles with President Trump. And so I, that's why I didn't think there would be any sign of, t- of tension after the, the tribal leaders, including Congresswoman Deb Haaland, uh, pretty much let Trump have it in terms of the fact that that Trump needs to do a better job of protecting Indian lands up in Alaska and the Mashapee Wampanoag, that this land-to-trust relationship that the tribes have with the president and with the federal government is lacking. And you take a look at some of the past uh, presidents, including President Obama, who was really, was uh, at least on, on paper, at least in the media, he did do the best he could to make uh, at a priority to, to meet with tribal leaders at least once a year, just with them up, up at the White House. So, and to see to hear that President Trump isn't doing any of that and, and really doing what he can to serve in what many people believe is to serve his own interests or his party's own interests. Um, you know, it's good that, that the tribes got that off their chests, that they're able to communicate that. So, uh, you know, National Congress of American Indians is a great organization, I really believe. They didn't pay me to say that. <laughs> uh, I've been to NCEI several times over my life, and, and it's been great to be able to see tribal leaders get together and talk about some of the issues that are affecting them. And uh, so it'll be interesting to find out what happens today and the rest of the week at, in Washington, D.C. I've never been to the, the D.C., the winter session before and I know a lot of it's just because normally the snow that we're getting in the Pacific Northwest normally isn't here and it's usually reserved for the East Coast and uh, so I never liked going for for that one reason but I know that uh, they're getting together this week and hopefully some really good discussions are going to come out of this and some key strategies to help tribes work better with the federal government. I think at the end of the day, that's what we're really wanting to see is a better relationship between the federal government and the tribal leaders. Now, speaking of the federal government, the shutdown, the federal government shutdown is looming. And according to key sources this morning, there was a negotiation that was happening all night last night between uh, some two key Democrats and two key Republicans got together and said, hey, what do you want? This is what we want. And allegedly, they did come to a an agreement in principle to keep the federal government from shutting down. And you know whether again you're whether you're for the the, the wall down in Mexico U.S. border, or you're against it, whether you're for uh, the immigration policy reform or against it. Yeah, I, again, I'm I'm always t- uh, really privy about the process and making sure the process is fair that uh, both sides or all the sides can get together and be able to communicate in a good way in terms of, you know, getting the things that people need. And so hopefully 
the president will agree with the negotiations and will eliminate the government uh, shutting down. And, you know, how that affects tribes, it varies. Some tribes are very well uh, financially, uh, you know, positioned so that if the federal government's dollars don't come in because it's shut down, they're able to fund it. Whatever it is, whether it's healthcare or whether it's education or all the other kind of things that, you know, tribal governments really do what they can to, to try to, um, you know, to, to make sure that, that they're doing what they can for their tribal members. Uh, some tribes are not well off. Some of them are very uh, not financially wealthy. And so they really depend on federal aid that's most likely, uh, you know, t- is tied to their treaty with the, the, the federal government. And so it'll be interesting to see how this goes down. And hopefully in the next few days, we'll have a, an update as to if the federal government is shutting down. And again, uh, it's too bad that we're at this level again, where we're actually think, talking about a second shutdown of the federal government. And again, whether you're for President Trump or against him, you know, it's just it's just tough. You know, this is part of change that I guess when you're looking at it from, uh, you know, from the, the president's point of view, he's trying to make changes in the United States and he's meeting a ton of resistance. And so, um, you know, with with that change is our next agenda, which is tax returns. And I'm, a few uh, days ago, I talked about the tax returns and the fact that in my own opinion, in my own life, my tax returns were down from years past. And I was like, man, I did all this, this, uh, you know, I had all this different expenses. I even have my own businesses that I'm running. And, and, and unfortunately, my tax returns basically broke even. I, I think I'm scheduled to get a $31 tax return, even though I had $6,500 worth of expenses that could go against my personal taxes. Well, according to uh, CNN, which is behind me, I like to watch CNN. I know that is that leans more Democrat than Republican, but it's still, to me, a pretty good source of information. Uh, according to CNN, the tax returns are down 8% all across the country. And I'm glad that they also reported the fact that the, the most of the businesses and organizations in America did not do a, a very good job of educating taxpayers in terms of the new tax policy that went into effect when uh, this cut last January a year ago. And so therefore, a lot of the tax withdrawals that we normally um, you know, have the federal government take uh, was less. And so we were getting a lot more money in our in our checks. And I was wondering about that too. And I, I worked at the uh, Ferndale School District and I was like, whoa, I actually got a $100 a check more in my, you know, $100 more in my check per, per two, because uh, uh, I got paid once a month. And so had I known that the federal government was taking less, and maybe if I would have looked at that box a little bit closer, I would have noticed that they were taking less. I probably would have saved a lot of that money and kept it in my bank account and, and so that when it came time to pay my taxes, which I was $750 in the hole, um, I probably would have just used that money for it. But unfortunately, I didn't know about that, like probably majority of Americans and so just kind of keep that in, in consideration as you go forward and taking a look at your returns that it's not just, I mean, again, a lot of people want to know what is that money going to go towards? Why, even though we got money put back into our in our checks, 
some people are saying, well, President Trump and the Republicans, uh, they, you know, are basically taking that money and giving it to the top 1%. Again, is that political rhetoric or is that truth? Uh, I guess that's to be determined. What isn't a, uh, you know, a political thing, I don't think, what is truth is the missing and murdered indigenous women. And that was another big key part. And I, I probably should have put this up by the National Congress of American Indians discussion. But those of you that uh, really are following what's happening in Indian country with the missing and murdered indigenous women, it, it's astonishing to to hear that murder, murder, not like some, you know, interesting thing like maybe, uh, you know, traffic accidents or cancer or some other thing. Murder is the third leading cause of death of 10 to 24 year old Native American women. So take a look around your family. Look at your your kiddos. Look at your 12 year old, your 14 year old, your niece, your ne- your your niece or your granddaughter, your sister, and know that murder is the third leading cause of death. That our our young women are 10 times more. Uh, likely to get murdered than the national average. That the biggest challenge of teens and young Native American women is just staying alive. <laughs> that it's it's I can't even put words into this. That Native women are two and a half <clears throat> to three and a half times more likely. <clears throat> excuse me to get to get assaulted. Two and a half to three and a half times more likely to get assaulted. Now, I don't like to make things a race, a race thing. I don't. I mean, we can't sit there and say racism is is affecting Indian country and then go ahead and perpetrate and say, you know, the the leading uh, reason why Native women are being murdered and are missing is due to non-Native American men. But statistics are showing that The main perpetrators are not from tribal reservations. Let's just put it that way. Whether they're white, they're black, they're Asian, whatever. uh, The primary perpetrators of this are non-Native American men. And so, unfortunately, there are some of our non-Native American men that understand jurisdiction. They understand that when they come onto Indian lands that they are not the subject of being arrested by tribal police, that they cannot be uh, tried in tribal court, which is creepy to know that. Some of the these folks are saying, and I'm not saying all of the perpetrators, but some of them know that if they were to hurt anybody, whether they're a woman or a child or an elder, that they can't be arrested by tribal police. Even though like in Lummi, I know we spend uh, upwards of five or $600,000 a year on tribal police and you add our tribal courts and our process there, you're looking at well over a million dollars. And even then, because of federal policies and laws, we are unable, for the most part, to uh, try and arrest non-Indians for uh, things that they're doing on tribal lands. We can ban them. We can tell them they can't come back on our reservations. But the other unfortunate thing is that many of these assaults, the, the two and a half to three and a half times more likely to be assaulted in our women are not being reported. 
And, you know, we've experienced this for, gosh, you know, at, at least three or four different decades where especially domestic violence is still not being reported in all in all areas, not just in reservations, but even in non-Indian lands. But many of these assaults are, are going unreported, which doesn't help. And the fact that in a 2010 study, 67% of those cases that were, it was reported that the victim did say, this is the person that did this to me. 67% of those cases, the prosecutors failed to prosecute. So we have over 5,700 Native American women that have disappeared. That is creepy. I don't know about you guys, but that, I mean, you know, they, they when African-American men were being arrested and when they, you know, there were young African-American boys that were being killed by police, there was this tremendous outrage. Black Lives Matter came up and all this, like it was very, very reported. And, you know, a lot of us in Indian country, we can, at the time, we we're like, yeah, we get that. We're minorities too. But why haven't we seen more of a national cry for help than when, you know, once a year or twice a year when the tribes gather and then it makes headlines because a Congress uh, person will say, say, talk about the missing and murdered indigenous women. I want to see more of a uh, outcry by not just Native American people, but all over the United States and First Nations Canada. We need to see more of a help. We need to educate more people about the fact that we have an epidemic happening and it's growing where we need to protect our indigenous women the most that we can, however we can do that. And, and, I, and I always talk about the fact that, okay, so if the federal government's not gonna help us, and if the non-Indians that are out there, just Joe American isn't going to be pounding their table on helping us. And, you know, the fact that a lot of this is being unreported, then I think we need to do a really good job of, of teaching our young Native American women, our kids, our kiddos, start when they're 10, start when they're six, and be able to increase their self-confidence so that when they're going to be dating that they will not allow anybody i don't care what color you are i don't care if you're a male or a female to be able to walk all over them and be able to uh, get to a point where they're being assaulted and moreover we're going to teach our kids how to communicate so if they are being bullied if they are being assaulted that we need to do the best we can as uh, the knowed the, the learned to be able to teach our kiddos that that enough's enough. That the reason why we're teaching them how to have a really good relationship, not only with others, but a relationship within themselves, that they are beautiful, that they come from amazing smart people and their ancestors just to survive, you know, genocide. We need to do the best we can. We gotta do a better job of prevention. I think that's really, uh, you know, any, any, any epidemic you can talk about with Indian country, whether we're talking about drug addiction, we're talking about alcohol addiction, we're talking about, you know, poverty. Prevention is key. And, and I know that a lot of tribes are doing the best they can, but it, it, it has to start in the home. It has to be within every tribal home, whether you're living on the res or you're living off the res. We need to do a better job of parenting us uncles and aunties do a better job of communicating with their kiddos and reminding them how beautiful they are 
and not just the, the young women, because of course this is an epidemic with with our young women, but also our men too, our, our little boys, our, our young young boys that are that are going to grow up and become um, you know adults. They're going to be one of the the most important part of you know this this men. They're going to be young men, young women. They're going to be our next tribal leaders. So. Again, I worked with kids for for a few years in the last couple of years, and, and it's amazing when uh, you tell a child that they are important. It's amazing when you tell them that uh, they are beautiful, that they come from amazing people. The, the the little lights go on in their heads. You know, maybe they're not hearing this at home. Maybe there's so much things going on that maybe they're just having a hard time feeding their kids that they forget to tell them these positive affirmations. And, you know, again, and I'll I'll end it, this little uh, stump speech by saying that, you know, we are, uh, unfortunately, as Indian people, uh, you know, it's generational grief, right? We're born into this grief and that we carry the grief of our ancestors into this world. And so sometimes we don't know why we're feeling the way we feel. We don't know why we're so depressed, why we're so angry. And a lot of it's just because it's genetic. (laughs) We didn't mean to do this. We didn't mean to be the way we are. We didn't mean to say something on Facebook. But unfortunately, a lot of this is just born within us. And it takes that positive affirmation. It takes daily prayer. It takes all this stillness. Like, you know, why does it take a snowstorm for us to finally sit down and think about life and think about how we can better ourselves. It's because we're so busy. We're too busy on the mouse, the, that, that wheel, right? That wheel of trying to keep up with life, keep up with our bills, keep up with all the things that happen. And unfortunately, a lot of the things that happen to us, we're not preparing ourselves for. When uh, we look in the bank account and we spent all of our money on rent, or we, you know, we're not doing the best we can to try to help our people um, help themselves. And so, again, uh, my prayers are out to the missing and murdered Indigenous um, families who are still grieving, and some of them still have not gotten closure on uh, uh, one of their missing 5,700 Native American women missing and disappeared. God, that hurts my heart. I'm sorry, you know, it's this early in the morning, but it, that hurts. I mean, I, I um, when we had... When we had uh, uh, one of our tribal young women um, went missing just recently, God, my heart sank. Like, where, where is she? Where can they, you know, where are our, our missing women? Um, I think I just saw a report the other day where a one of our women, uh, Native American women, who she was lured away from her tribe, they found her in a suitcase. They found her parts in a suitcase. <sighs> Enough's enough. No more missing and murdered indigenous women, okay? But again, it, it, it starts in the home, guys. We got to do the best we can to teach our kiddos that they are beautiful, that they are amazing, that they can communicate when something goes wrong. And uh, we got to teach them at a young age. All right, well, that's it for me. Um, it is February 12th. It is snow-filled Pacific Northwest. Hopefully tomorrow I'll get back to some more information for you. And I hope that you enjoyed this edition of the heat. Again, I I call it the heat because it's not to bring the heat. I'm not trying to, uh, you know, bring heat onto tribal leaders or onto county leaders or whatever, 
or the federal government, it's because my my traditional name is Howheaton. And uh, right in the middle of Howheaton is heat. And so I like to talk about some of the issues that are heating up in our community and talk about the ways that we can try to pr- improve them as much as we can, okay? Take care, guys, wherever you're at. Remember to hug your children just a little bit tighter today, okay? Take care.